Life Audio. I need to be in God's word in order to be able to navigate the terrain that life brings my way. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. We're hey, back, baby. Hey, hey, hey. hey, welcome back to Life After Addiction. Man, what a cool, fun episode last week. Uh, we got to brag on you a little bit. Come on, And man. what God's doing in your life. It was super cool. Yeah, that episode has been uh, however long we've started this podcast. I think it has making. 7 million views already. 7 mil? Yeah. Shout out to yeah. the 7 mil, dude. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate yeah. you guys. Yeah, thank you. Here's my cash app again if you yeah. want to donate to it. Nicole and I would really appreciate it. Yeah, well... 10% go into the ministry. Uh, so so this week, like, and I kind of hinted at it last week, um, we want to, obviously, it's towards the beginning of the year. It's the what, 12th today? I'm not sure. Uh, coming out on the 12th, something like that. But we want to just talk about some practical tools. And we've talked about these before, but they reign true. And again, this isn't uh, just for people who struggle with addiction. This is for all believers. And, and honestly, gosh, man, I... Um, Three days ago, yeah, three days ago, I did a funeral for a 32-year-old female. Mm. Um, and it's those moments. Um, man, it just drives me. It just, it angers me. All of the, all of the emotions that you yeah. feel, man. But it's like, I'm so, and I'm not saying this with a calloused heart. I'm saying this with a pain-filled heart. I'm so tired of doing funerals for 20 and 30 year olds, man. It's, it's heart wrenching to see kids left behind, to see parents who never should bury a child, to see friends in the prime of their life. And man, it's just heartbreaking. And honestly, it's unnecessary. Uh, and, and so I don't know, as a, as a way of encouragement, as a way of having giving tools that we've talked about before, but we have a lot of new subscribers, you know. Uh, I hope you share this video with someone who's struggling or teach these things that we're about to teach that's not rocket scientists. We don't have trademarks on this. Um, these are just four things that we're going to talk about. We call it the four pillars. Um, and then, honestly, it's not um, it's not a promise that you're – Never going to struggle, never going to yep. have thing. In fact, some of these pillars were crafted up from verses like John sixteen thirty three, where it says, I've told you these things uh, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. I mean, another verse, John ten ten. the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And so those aren't suggestions. It's not saying that in this world you might have trouble. Uh, the thief could come to do this and that. No, it's a promise of God, really, that, hey, you're going to have struggles in this world, but the verses don't end there. And if we only focus on that part and we don't understand that God also says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Mm. I've overcome the world. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Those are the full verses. And so, uh, man, we're not left alone in these seasons. God gives us something. And so we want to talk about it. We want to talk about... Um, things you should do as a believer, things that you should do and in, in every day uh, and create a discipline. And it's not like a checklist. It's not like a, hey, here's the steps to, uh, just for today. No, these are things, basically all of these things are going to draw you closer to God mm-hmm. and his design. Um, 
Yeah, they're spiritual disciplines. Yeah, yeah. And so, you want to dive right in? Or you want to add something to the uh, intro? No, you. I was going to read John ten ten. So no, you're right on the it, same I wavelength as, as me. So hey, yeah, no, hey, we're headed in the right hey. direction. But so, yeah, I think you said the four pillars, right? Yeah, what they four were. pillars. Four pillars of daily success is what we believe. Um, and, and man, there honestly, there's a stat that we have, and um, <laughs> well, it just is. I'll just say it. I mean, it, it's when guys, and, and you can attest to this, yeah. uh, when guys come through our program uh, and they hear about the four pillars, and obviously the, the seven principles uh, is what our curriculum that they're being taught on a daily basis, but it's all rooted in the foundation of these four four pillars. Uh, and it, and the, the data is 100% of the time that someone goes uh, through our program and they call us back and they're struggling, they need to come back through. Man, there's no shame there, guilt there from us anyways. Uh, and, and, and we're not asking these questions, but it's often brought up that, hey, I stopped doing one or more of these things. One or more of these things fell. Next thing I know, I'm calling uh, and needing help again. Um, and that's 100% of the time when someone needs to come back through that one or more of the, or all of these pillars, you know, fell to the wayside. Uh, and so, and like I said, he, because last episode, he said he came through three times. Um, but the first one is God's word. Yep. And man, the, the, the thing that stirred me for this, um, if, if you need to track these things and to set your mind right as you're tracking these four pillars, you need to understand what kind of fight you're in. Um, the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Our enemies aren't flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. And, and if you know what kind of fight you're in, then obviously these tools that you're fighting with, these are spiritual things, but everything is spiritual. And I didn't understand that at first, and I give this example all the time. Yeah. But when the Bible says that our enemies are not physical, that it's all a cosmic, it's all a spiritual war or spiritual world that we have conflict in, as a young Christian, as a young believer, maybe you're feeling this right now too, man, I've been in fistfights. I, I, everything I knew was physical. And so for the Bible to say that, no, none of that matters. It's all spiritual. That didn't make sense to me. Mm. And one day inside of this, just kind of reading and trying to understand this, uh, what God's meaning, because before, you know, if I didn't understand scripture, I was just as a Christian, I was just marching through because I needed to get a reading plan done. And so I'd read this and I'd just keep going. But for some reason with this right here, I remember like, I have issue with that. Yeah. It's not all spiritual. I mean, the Bible just must not understand. And so just processing that and seeking the Lord in that, here's what he let me know. And I've never heard God audibly, but this is what I feel in his word that he impressed upon me. He said, Adam, you brought up fist fighting. Why were you in those fist fights? Was it just physical? Was it just two blobs of matter that bumping into each other and all of a sudden you're fighting? Or was there a cosmic reason behind it? Was there a spiritual reason behind it? Was there anger involved? Was there love of money involved? Was there pride involved? And all of these things. And all of those things I just mentioned, I can't bottle up and hand you a physical version of those. Those are all spiritual situations, cosmic situations. And then it made sense. Oh, and I hope it just maybe clicked for you. It's not like I'm Einstein that just brought up some kind of, but when you put it in that perspective and you give that illustration, it makes sense. Okay, I understand what the Bible's talking about now. Yeah. This is a spiritual world, yeah. war. And everything we battle in, is spiritual. And so when we talk about God's word, this first pillar, why is God's word important? 
Yeah, and the verse I'll go to that goes it correlates exactly with what he's talking about. You know, I always saw addiction as a physical thing. Like it's me versus addiction, my own strength, my willpower, my own my own understanding. Until I started to get into God's word, I realized one that I'm in a spiritual battle, and at the root of addiction is sin, and it's idolatry, putting something above God. And so, how do I fight that? Well, I got to fight that with the spiritual things that God has given me and the spiritual tools that He has provided. And one of those verses is Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen, and it says, "All Scripture is breathed out." by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We must train in righteousness, which means training in the ways of the Lord. How I handled addiction was drastically different than how the Lord called me to go about these things. And uh, man, uh, uh, God's word is the lamp to our feet. Psalm 119, I think it's 105. It says it is the uh, the lamp to our feet and the light to our paths. Mm. It guides me. It leads me. It directs me. It tells me who I am in Christ. It tells me who God is. It talks about uh, God's faithfulness, his character, um, his sovereignty, his grace, his mercy. So God's word is the lamp to our feet and the light to our paths. It's just like if you're driving your car on a freeway at night. Are you going to have your headlights on or are you going to have your headlights off? Well, I'm probably going to have them on so that I can see where I'm going. Well, the same thing is true for our lives when it comes to the reading of God's word. I need to be in God's word in order to be able to navigate the terrain that life brings my way. It talks about everything from love to relationships um, to how to steward your finances to, I mean, everything that life could ever throw your way. You can find how to walk through that by being in God's word. Amen. It says that God's word is living and breathing. So it's literally it possesses the power to transform our hearts and renew our minds. I am not the same person mentally, emotionally or spiritually since being in God's word, since being uh, renewed and transformed by the word of God, literally from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) when I hear people say, I don't hear, I haven't heard from God. I haven't heard from God. I haven't heard from God. I never hear from God. I mean, he's speaking to us. It's, there's a reason why it's called his word. His words. He's left us with words. All that we need to be sufficient in knowing him and knowing who we are is his word and how important is that. But not only that, I read from Ephesians 6, and I talked about how this is a spiritual war, and then it, it talks about armor, spiritual weaponry, armor. Yeah. And there's only one offensive weapon. Everything else is defense. It talks about a shield, a helmet, a breastplate, and shoes, and a belt. And there's one offensive weapon, and it's the Word of God. It says Amen. it's the sword. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And man, I, I've, I've talked about these things so much, uh, uh, but I'm also aware that there's thousands of new subscribers that have never heard me talk about this. So I, I don't want to rush through it, and I don't want to feel like I'm saying repetitive things. Yeah. But Man, when I heard that, and and I'm hearing that, okay, and it finally clicked, and maybe in the in the example given that it's clicking for you, that man, this is truly spiritual. Like nothing else matters. This is a spiritual fight. Uh, and man, when I was a baby Christian, I was in the fight, but I, I didn't know God's word. Yeah, I wanted to, but I knew a few scriptures. I, I played sports, and so I knew John three sixteen. I knew the Lord's prayer. Uh, and so basically I was like MacGyver with a little Swiss army knife in this fight, man, trying to do something. And I wanted to be William Wallace, man. I wanted <laughs> to be swinging a, a sword. Analogy. I wanted to be swinging a big old sword. And so I wanted to grow. I needed to grow my, um, my not, and I wasn't, again, I played sports. I didn't have to have a super discipline of reading, uh, which I do now because I've, I've asked for this, but I was like, God, I'm falling asleep reading this stuff. 
Yeah. Like, give me a desire for your word. Give me a passion for your word. And, and, and obedience of reading it, I became, I ended up becoming a pretty nerdy dude. Yeah. Like, I love theology. I love scripture. I love the original languages. And, oh, well, look at this word. It could have. And so pray to God if you're struggling reading. Pray to God and ask him to give you a, a passion for his word. And the fruit of what we see, the example that we see of how this weapon is being used, we see Jesus in the New Testament. Um, he, he was baptized by John the Baptist and then, and then went on a 40 day fast. Like he went on a 40 day fast and on that fast, he was, he was, um, he was the enemy. The devil himself mm-hmm. came and tempted Jesus. Yep. It's recorded three times, but we don't know. It could have been more. And every single time Jesus used the sword. He said uh, he would be tempted with something, and Jesus said, it is written, it is written. Yep. And one of the times, obviously, if you've ever been on a fast or dieted, you know you get hungry, hangry maybe, and the enemy came up and tempted him with, uh, hey, with his pride and his belly. He said, hey, if you are who you say you are, turn those rocks into bread. Turn those rocks into bread. And Jesus' reply was this in Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hmm. Well, he's quoting Deuteronomy. He's, quote, he's quoting from the Old Testament. So it's a, it's a twofold thing. He shows us, man, you literally put, these, put God's word out there. Use God's word against temptation, against things that you know you shouldn't do. Fill your body, your mind, and your heart, and your soul with God's word so in these moments you can do that. But then it's in the duality of it, he's also showing us how important his word is. Like, I'm not going to miss lunch today. I know you're not, right? <laughs> Again, Subway after this, actually. I'm, I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm not going to miss a meal. And the Word of God's saying, as important as it is mm. to eat that bread, to eat that Subway, you need to be filling that spiritual hunger as well. You, need to, you need to settle that spiritual hunger down with, with being in His Word. So Amen. God's Word is so important. Amen. Which leads us into number two of the pillars, and that is prayer. And uh, man, I'll, I'm going to start with the story real quick because yeah. I was literally talking to a guy this morning and mm. he talked to me about the power of prayer. So this is an older gentleman. He's maybe 50s, something like that. Older 50s. Um, well, it depends on what you think. Older right. Is. I know. I, I kind of like ate my words right there. I was like, well, maybe it's not old. Older than me, should I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's only been in our program like a week. Mm. And I was in the classroom this morning sitting down there with him just kind of talking. And he went to detox before he got transitioned over to the lodge. And he said when he was in detox, he went to a prayer night. I think it was either the night he got there or the night after. 
And this man was telling me about how he's hated life and just been miserable and depressed and just so distraught for so many years. He said he went down to that prayer night and there's a few gentlemen down there that were that began to pray over him and put hands over him and just pray for God to reveal himself and to just enlighten his eyes to the hope that there's that there is in Christ and all these things. And he said, Ryan, that is the most joy I have had since the birth of my children decades ago. And you could just see like the emotion on his face when when he said that that was the most joy this man had ever Mm. had in decades since the birth of his children, simply by prayers. And uh, I don't know the exact address in the book of James. I think it may be 516, but it says the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And uh, man, it's so true. Understand the Bible's not talking about our our righteousness. We have none, but in Christ, it is his righteousness imputed to us as believers and as saints. And man, it's the word tells us that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Yeah. Uh, there's another verse in first Thessalonians five sixteen and through 18. And it says, rejoice, always pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we are called to pray without ceasing and the hope within that is that man our prayers are heard and they're powerful and effective because God's word says so and so that's a beautiful thing that should remind you not only to man pray without ceasing in all things in all situations for anyone uh, who you cross paths with but knowing and having confidence whenever you do come to the Lord in prayer man that he's hearing me He knows my prayers. He knows my cries. There's another verse. I think it's in Romans eight where it talks about the Holy Spirit intercedes on behalf of the saints with groanings too deep for words. Meaning, Mm. man, even when I can't gather my thoughts and my prayers and articulate everything exactly like I want to, man, the Holy Spirit is literally interceding on behalf of me and lifting the prayers that are on my heart because the Lord knows what I need and what I desire. So even uh, being intentional and the fact that we sit down and set time aside to pray to God, man, that's a beautiful start. Maybe it's setting realistic goals and you're at a place where, man, I don't know how to pray. Well, man, that's a beautiful place to be. I used to pray to the Lord, Lord, how do I pray? And it's a simple conversation. Start off with simple dialogue like, God, I don't know how to pray. Or maybe when you do sit down to pray, your thoughts are everywhere. Your emotions are everywhere. Your mind is racing. Well, man, God, give me just the discipline to pray for a minute today. Literally 60 seconds, God, I want to be intentional and set aside a minute just to pray and talk to you. And maybe that's where you start. And honestly, I think rolling it back into the the first pillar, if you don't know what to pray, just pray scriptures. Amen. Pray to God's word. God, you say that... um, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful mm. and effective. Yep. God, I trust you on that today. Uh, and what's interesting, before we I have one more scripture and kind of a story too, and God's word and prayer we'll probably spend the most time on. Um, but the righteous person part, we've had people, uh, and maybe people in a pity party or in a pit or just not wanting to, but believers, I should say, yeah. man, I'm not righteous, I'm in rehab, or I'm yeah. not righteous, man, I, God knows what I've done. And... Um, if you're a born again believer, it's not your righteousness that the Bible's talking about. The Bible says that for our sake he ta- he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. And so when the scripture says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, it's not your righteousness if you're a believer. Um so I mean it's it's powerful and effective. That's God's word. Go mm-hmm. read it. We didn't say it. I mean yeah. God said it. So be it. The next scripture is is from Philippians and and this is one that 
I have a story attached to, but it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Um, and man, again, I have to go back like I didn't understand when the Bible said, um, early on was said, this is all spiritual, not physical. And I was like, I don't know about that. The yeah. same thing here. The Bible just said, do not be anxious about anything. Impossible. Yeah. It's where your human mind goes. Yeah, and I was like, word. Yeah. And so I didn't want to pass over that. I was in this moment of really just kind of praying through that and seeking like, God, you tell us not to be anxious about anything, but in all things through prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. And I think we don't have time, but I think adding a thankful heart to your prayers was a big moment for me. Amen. Um, adding thank because I have a lot to be thankful for if I start down that path. Yeah. But through Thanksgiving, present your request to God. Well, okay, that doesn't tell us anything, but the ver- that's verse Philippians 4, 6. Here's verse 7. It says, And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So there it is. The full thing is, do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the promise is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Man, I need peace. In those moments of anxious, not being anxious, he tells us to do these things. Present these things to God. Be thankful. Supplicate. Coke often to him. Tell him about these things. And the promise is that he has a peace. And I have a story about this, and I'm going to kind of do it quickly, but this is just... The best, the best illustration, it's a true story, the best yeah. illustration I give to explain what this piece is, and it's a, it's a piece that surpasses understanding, right? Like, I don't understand why you're peaceful. Uh, Psychoanalysts can't, uh, the psychologists can't come in and be like, man, you're not supposed to have peace right now. It surpasses our understanding. It's that kind of peace. And so there were two funerals I was doing for young men, uh, both mid-20s. Uh, one of them had a young daughter, uh, and one of them didn't have any kids. Uh, and one of them, one of the, the funeral, one of the funerals was in Georgia. And so the funeral in Georgia, the young man had a young daughter. Every time I even tell this story, it's hard because the daughter was a split spitting image of him. And I was looking over her head. I couldn't look at her, um, because I was emotional. The mom, and this made sense to me, this is not a, a bash at her, but the mom, was losing it, just crying, weeping aloud, in pain. A mother should never bury their child. I get it. That made sense to me. Her grieving and the way that she was grieving, it it was what I understood, that she should be doing that. Now, the funeral here, this was in, in town here in, in Middle Tennessee, uh, was a little bit different. He didn't have a child, uh, but the mom had a piece about her. She was not happy. She was not um, laughing and grinning, but she had a piece about her that did not make sense to me. It surpassed my understanding. Now, here's what I know about the moms. Both moms claim to be believers, and I have no reason to not believe that. Uh, But the mom over here that had the peace, she's what we call here in the South a prayer warrior. And what I mean by that, I would get text messages months before months and months before and she would be texting me asking me how can i pray for you or letting me know that she prayed for all of our staff today let him she was a prayer warrior Mm. and so the verse that came true to me when i saw that this woman who i have evidence that she is a prayer warrior that she has a peace in a time that didn't make sense she had a peace that surpassed my understanding it was because god was guarding her heart and her mind in christ jesus at the funeral of her child 
And man, that's as real as of an example as I can get. God's word is true. Okay. I seen it's too late to tell me otherwise after you know seeing those kind of things, and it was like, okay, I get it, I get it, I understand. I mean, even even you know to think about David's parents, yeah, that we just saw. Yes, I mean, were they hurt? Were they sad? Were they absolutely? Yeah, man, they inspired us yeah. literally, like the confidence that they had inspired us within the following week five guys from our program gave their life to christ and was baptized after watching his dad at the celebration of life yeah and they're like and their son just died and they're encouraging us they're praying with us they're praying over us they're you know he's wanting to come along and disciple some of us i mean it's just incredible it's yeah. that peace that surpasses all understanding though yeah yeah and so the next pillar uh unless you had anything else on prayer nope, the next good. pillar is fellowship fellowship uh, we are designed by God to be in community, uh, even in Genesis before the fall, before chapter 3, God saw mankind and said that it was good for him to have a helper. It was good for him not to be alone. And so with that, that's biblical evidence, we're designed to be in community. Um, fellowship is Good fellowship, I should say. Yes, good fellowship. Good fellowship, I should say, because some wise guy out there, well, I'm going to go to the strip club with my buddies, and we're fellowship. Come yeah. on, man. That's that's unrighteous. That's you're, you're sinning in your fellowship. Good fellowship. Yes. Good fellowship. Why is good fellowship important? You want me to talk? Oh, I, I didn't. I thought, you, I thought you were like asking a rhetorical question. Uh, no, man. No, I, I was. Let me keep going. No, okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> No, I, I would say for me, man, what was so significant is having godly men in my life who could speak truth to me and call me higher. Yeah. Um, call certain things out in me that maybe were tough for me to hear, but that I needed to hear. I share this story and uh, I don't remember exactly if it was him or Ron or Ron or Bruce or uh, who it was, but I got sat down. I think it was the third time that I came through the program. And essentially what they were telling me was like, Ryan, hear me out on this. If you can't submit to the spiritual authority in your life that you can see, that you can hear, that you can walk with, that you can talk to physically, you'll never respond to the voice of God. You'll never submit to the authority of God. And I chewed on that for a couple of days and it was 100% truth. If I think that I'm not going to submit to spiritual authority here in this world, meaning the men and women that God places in my life um, that are more mature in the faith, that are older than me, that have been walking with the Lord for a heck of a lot longer than I have, then I won't submit to the Lord himself because the Lord has placed these men and women around me, man, to encourage me, to enlighten me, to inspire me, to hold me accountable. And that's something that we don't like as men, especially when it comes to addiction recovery, man, how much do we hate uh, accountability? Yeah. I can't stand it. Even, even to this day, man, I really don't like accountability. Now I know I need it. I know it's necessary. I know having men in my life who call me higher is essential for my growth. But it, we don't always like it. But I will say, man, get you a group of men or if you're a woman, surround yourself with a group of, of women who can call you higher, who you can lean on, who you can have hard conversations with and who are you who you're going to get soundly guided, uh, godly advice from. Yeah. Not just like some random. This is what I would do if I was him or this is what I know, like some sound biblical advice and wisdom and counsel pertaining to whatever you're, it is that you're going through. Uh, but one of the verses 
I was going to share was Galatians 6, 2, and it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah. Man, that's strong right there. So fulfill the law of Christ. Well, how do I do that? By bearing one another's burdens. And uh, man, coming alongside people, instead of condemning them, instead of judging them, instead of casting stones, man, coming alongside them and loving them to the foot of the cross. I've shared it numerous times on episodes, but I had a professor tell me, Ryan, you're going to love more men to the cross than you'll ever convince them of it. And part of doing that is by man fulfilling the law of Christ and by bearing with one another in their burdens, sympathizing with someone, showing them empathy, you know, um, Mm. understanding where they're coming from, but letting them know, Hey, there's hope. And there is a way out of this. You don't have to throw yourself a pity party. I can empathize with someone and walk with them for a second, but then also get them to understand that, Hey, there's a way out, but we've got to get up and move. We've got to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, and and script. So I want to give scripture scripture reasoning for the things that we're saying, and then I like to give practical stories that I've seen this play out in my life. Yeah. And so scripture, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, and it's pretty. You know, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another, right? And you get that. And then Ecclesiastes four twelve. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not qu- quickly broken. So, like, for example, Jorian, who's off camera, uh, he might whoop me, right? But he ain't going to whoop me and Chitty. And now, hold up, dude. Do you see him nod his head right there? First off, this is a story. He, <laughs> he ain't knows gonna, karate. He, he ain't going to whoop me, you know what I mean? But I was giving a hypothetical here. He might get me, but he ain't getting both of us kind of thing. Uh, and, a, and a story of this fellowship, um, and it's, again, I, I'm sorry if you've heard it, um, but this is this is my go-to. Uh, years ago, uh, as I was coming through, I was interning, my wife got to restore our marriage, go watch my testimony video where it was an amazing miracle, moved her to middle Tennessee. Uh, and we knew it was very important for us to plug into a church. We plugged in, we found one quickly, praise God. That was a prayer that we had. God let us find a home quickly. And I think we went to three and on the third, we knew this was home. Well, when I was, when I was working here early on, I worked, I only had every other Sunday off. Uh, I worked every every day and every other Sunday. I don't think it was legal. Uh, the labor laws probably didn't, didn't <laughs> but I didn't know. I was on fire with the Lord, and I was doing it. We were a lot smaller ministry, um, way smaller then. And so I was only able to go to church with my wife every other Sunday. And so one of the Sundays that I was all, I was working, and my wife went to church alone, they had a small groups festival, uh, which I always make fun of because it's just like, small groups, sign up here. And so apparently— my wife, while I was not there, signed us up to go to a small group the following Sunday, and it just so happened they met every other Sunday, and so it worked perfectly, she thought. And in my mind, again, I was I was serving in ministry. I was a young Christian. I was thought kind of church people were kind of weird. And I was like, hey, it's my one day off. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go to church. I'd like to spend time with you and relax, but now i got to go to these people's house. So I was haughty about it. I was not happy. And while we pull up, time came, we pulled up. We were a little late. And I was like, Katie, I just don't want to go in. Uh, let's, we're late. Let's, let's hit them next time. She's like, get in the house. And I said, yes, ma'am. And so, <laughs> and so we went in. But I'm still haughty here, man. I'm just, my, I, was, I, was, I was still dealing with pride and flesh. And I still deal with that. But, I mean, I, right. was, I was, yeah, I was still dealing with selfishness. And so it went around the room, and they were introducing themselves, the different couples and the different families. You know, I don't know. There's probably 10 of us in the room in this random person's living room. Uh, and they went around and it was almost like, leave it to beaver, man. It was like, Hey, Hey, we're the ho-and-so's nice to meet you. Everything's good. Z golly. <laughs> and it was going around. I was like, Hey, we're smiling. And then it, it's about to get to us. And I thought to myself, got him. 
Yeah. We won't have to come back now or this will be awkward. I'm going to make Katie upset or uncomfortable. And I was just like, well, hey, uh, we're the Comers. I just got out of rehab not too long ago. I was a really bad guy. I stole a bunch of stuff, did a bunch of drugs. It was crazy, man. And then the law was – it was just crazy. And all of a sudden, their jaw was dropping ever so much. And then my wife was like, yeah, that's true. God saved him. It was awesome. It was and, and then I finished in what felt like an eternity of just silence. And their jaws on the floor just like, what did he just say? It was probably like three seconds. Right. But the person's house, the small group leader that we were at, broke the silence with a loud, yeah, finally someone got real in here. And it went back around, and, I, and I'm not joking, it went back around the room, and sin was confessed, realness of life was done. And so so I guess I bring, and then to this day, man, that's our closest friends. Over a decade ago was when this happened. To this day, um, I'm I'm like the legal guardian of their kids if something happens to them. It's like, what? That's wow. crazy. But go on vacations and stuff together, our closest friends, but it got real. We had fellowship and not only do I need it from them and the accountability and the, and the getting my six, cause I can't see my blind spots, but Chitty can, man, they needed you. Maybe they need your authenticity. Maybe yeah. they need your fellowship, man. Because apparently before that happened, it was like, it was just, they're reading a, a book, you know, and they weren't real with each other. Uh, not that I'm boasting in that, but God used my sin, yeah. <laughs> both sides, my addiction and my haughtiness to really open up the doors and people got real and the fellowship that we've had, uh, we've gone through life together, man. And in you do life with anyone, it's hard mm -hmm. and they need you and, and you need people in hard times, man. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Just think about like the faith community that I have here in Tennessee and just how amazing it is that I get to go to work with just my best friends, but also men of God who call me higher, who love me, who support me, who encourage me. And we do real life together outside of the ministry. We go to each other's houses. We go out to eat. Uh, we fellowship. We do certain things. But man, the core group of men in your life, you know, <clears throat> the men you surround yourself with is the man you become. I used to not think so. When you're younger, yeah. you're more immature. And you hear that advice when you're younger. It's like, whatever. What are you talking right, about? Right, exactly. But it's so true, man. Yeah. You want to see where you're going to be in five years. Well, look around at the company that you keep. Where you see them going, where they are in their life, that's exactly where you'll be. And so, man, it's so important to get a group of men or women around you who love the Lord, who you can just do real life with. I think about my relationships prior to coming to the Lord, and they were very surface level. And don't get me wrong. I'm, it's nothing against those people. They're, they're awesome people. I really enjoy the friendships I had before Christ, but they were really surface level. They weren't really getting any deeper than that. And I desire, we, and we as humans, we desire deep, authentic, genuine relationships, but it's hard to have one with your masks off if you don't know the Lord. And so, uh, yeah, I yeah. think fellowship was one of the most important pillars uh, yeah. for me. Obviously, prayer and God's word will always be uh, the main two, but fellowship is just as important. It's right behind that. Yeah, and fellowship, uh, just to qualify, it doesn't have to be sitting in a circle reading the Bible, singing Kumbaya. Yeah. Amen. Good fellowship could be canoeing down a river or hanging out playing pickleball or whatever it is, but you're, you're just authentic with them. Your mask yeah. is off. Like you can have fun and be real. And that's just how you get to know people, man. That's like the trust that you have. And like, yeah. So the final pillar, um, not the final thing that we think you need to do, but to close out the four pillars, um, action, taking action. 
And a part of this, dressed in action, it really is tied into your purpose, right? Um, because you act on what you believe you're supposed to be doing or what your goal is or what your mission is. Or like if you're a, if you're a fireman, the action that you take is training to save people from fires, right? And so action tied into your purpose is so crucial for someone walking in freedom from addiction because if you don't have purpose, man, it's a breeding ground for work, feeling worthless and feeling uh, trapped and feeling like you have no purpose and mm-hmm. you don't want to have those feelings and uh, your go-to is to numb those feelings, right? And so having action, taking action every day, um, and that looks different for everybody, uh, but it's so important. And the scripture that I have, I have one, I have two, I'll read one and pass it to you, but it's James 2.20, and this is a different translation because it uses the word action, but even if you want to replace action with works, it's still the same thing. Do you want proof, you foolish person, that faith without actions is worthless? And that doesn't mean that works or actions is why you have faith, but it means that if you are a believer and you have uh, proclaimed to be a Christ one, then you will have actions. You will have works that are fruit in your life. Uh, And so do those things. And, And I think make any list because I think there's true when someone says, man, I don't know what God's called me to do. I don't think that all of the time that they're just not being real about that. I think they could be maybe early on or maybe they did something and God's called them to something else. And so there could be confusion there. And I would just practically suggest, uh, making a list pros and cons or, or here's things that I like enjoy doing that stirs my affection for the Lord. And man, I'm not so good at these things over here. Just physically not being lazy. And that's your action point for the day to see what something could pop off of that page and has many times. Oh, wow, man, God, almost like God's calling me to, to be a missionary or God's calling me to be a teacher or whatever, whatever it may be. But do that. Like know what God stirs your affection for. Like get it on paper, get organized inside of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think making like a, a spiritual goals chart is super important and it's super effective. But James one twenty two, it goes along exactly with what you're saying, but be doers of the word and not hearers only uh, deceiving yourselves. And it's so true. I'm big on application, yeah. you know? And so it's like, man, if I don't have any spiritual goals or I don't have any spiritual disciplines, I need to get those on paper of what those need to be and stick to them. For example, what we're talking about here, the four pillars, you know, God's word, prayer, fellowship, and call to action. This could look like you being a doer of the word. These are all biblical principles that God calls us to do. And maybe it looks like setting a a time aside each day to do these things, you know, um, it's one thing to hear a word from your pastor, man. It's another thing to apply the word to your life directly. That motivational speech that a lot of people get charged up about, and man, it lasts you till about 2.30 p.m. on Sunday. That's good. That's a start, you know, but what are you doing in your own time? How are you developing? How are you growing in your personal relationship with the Lord apart from other people giving you words and reading scripture to you and going and hearing a sermon and going to a small group? All these things are good. But, man, you've got to be doing these things yourself as well and making sure you are a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. Yeah, amen. And and the tie-in, so our curriculum is called Behind Chitty's Shoulder. It's called Lost and Found Recovery in Christ. And it's, it's, it is straight from Second Peter chapter 1, and it talks about um, adding to your faith 
these seven principles, these seven things like brotherly affection, virtue, love, um, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, these things. And then later down in the verse and are in the verses in verse eight, it says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he is cleansed from his former sins. And so what's your action point there? Well, the verse starts off saying that you add this to your faith and then doubles down in verse 8 and says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing. Mm -hmm. Like, work towards these things in the Word of God. Work, well, what do you mean, Adam? How do I work on being having brotherly affection? Well, understand what brotherly affection is. And if you understand what brotherly affection is, Cut away things in your life that make that really hard in your life. Do the uncomfortable things of of how to gain in knowledge. Well, gaining in knowledge, how do I do that? Well, read his word. You know, dive into these things. Don't be a lazy Christian because if you are, and these storms come that we talked about at the beginning of the episode, in yeah. this world you will have trouble. Man, you won't have this foundation, and it'll be devastation to you to where it could be just, man, that wasn't cool, and you move on. Yeah, and then obviously the biggest call to action, especially for us as believers, is Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. You know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then the promise comes right after that. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yep. Maybe that starts simple with you. Maybe you're terrified to share your faith with others because you're scared of what they may think and it's, you know, not of the world. And so you're going to be an outcast or you're a bigot or you're hateful. Maybe it's as simple as sharing what God has done in your life. Hey, man, this is who I was before Christ. This is who I am now. I used to have no joy. I used to have no peace. I have a joy that's unexplainable and a peace that I, I that makes no sense. And it's just simply telling them who you were before Christ and who you are now. Yeah. Uh, but but start with somebody. There's someone in your life and maybe go to the person that you're most comfortable with sharing hard things with and start with them. And then maybe go to someone who you don't even know and share a little bit of what God has done in your life with them. But nonetheless, man, we are committed mandate to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so especially if you desire to grow in your faith, you've got to be willing to get uncomfortable. There's a lot of things I do or Adam does or Jorian does that are out of our comfort zone. Yeah. But it's man, God has called me to these things. He has equipped me for these things. He has equipped me uh, for such a time as this. And so I just got to, okay, God, it's your spirit and your power that does these things anyways. I just got to be a willing vessel. And so maybe that's a goal that you can have for going into the 2024 years. God, I want to be more of a willing vessel. Like I can feel it churning in my heart and in my spirit that you're calling me out of this comfort that I've been in. God, what does that look like? Um, I am here. God, send me. Mm, mm. Last thing for me on this is, and he just touched on it. All of us as believers, there's two things I can think of right now. All of us as believers have action points, have purpose. How we get there, though, is different. So all of us know, like you just said, that, man, God's called us the Great Commission to go, therefore, make disciples and baptize. Uh, and in 2 Corinthians 5, I think, he says that we've been given a spirit, uh, ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Like it is our job to reconcile the world to God. He's put sending us out there to be a vessel. How you go about that is what you've got to figure out and take your action every day towards that. So that's the four pillars, man. God's Word, prayer, 
good fellowship and action, call to action or purpose. And we suggest to you that have a foundation of these things every day. Uh, and when the storms come, they don't sting as bad, man. They don't sting as bad. Amen. Is that all you got? That's it, baby. That's life after addiction. You better believe it. Come on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life After Addiction. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Studio. For more Christ-centered addiction recovery resources, please visit s2l.net. That's S, the number two, L.net. For more information about S2L's licensed and accredited residential program, please visit s2lrecovery.org. That's S, the number two, lrecovery.org. We want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Life After Addiction podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of their faith-centered podcasts and their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and much more. Thank you so much for listening today, and God bless. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together... We can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.